The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City in town doing studio work for CBS Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. Kansas at Kansas State. It was Bill as Tuesday night's biggest game. Two top 15 teams, in-state rivals. It was the school that has owned the Big 12 for nearly two decades, if not forever, against the team that was picked to finish dead last in the Big 12 this season, but has turned into the biggest surprise and best story in the sport. Final score, Kansas State. 83, Kansas 82. It was in overtime. Incredible game. Incredible scene. It's the new biggest win of Jerome Tang's head coaching career. Deadleg, I know you watched it. What'd you make of the result and the images and the sounds that we got inside Bramlage on Tuesday night? Great stuff. College basketball season. We're in the thick of the regular season. I love games like this. Love scenes like this. Midweek, hyped game. Also felt a little unusual to have uh, a, uh, like a high-profile Kansas game tip at 7 Eastern as opposed to normally, you know, middle of the country, central time zone. Usually that's a 9 Eastern tip. So nice and uh, nice and early there. And what, <laughs> what a showing by K-State. For that fan base in particular, which is just it's, – it's on occasion, every so often, it's picked off a nice win against Kansas. But Kansas has owned – the, this rivalry if you I'll you know I'll pay respect to the sunflower showdown and, and call it a rivalry but this is as lopsided and one-sided as almost any we have in college sports between two high major programs there uh, KU had won more than 85 percent of its past 80 meetings against Kansas State at 122 of its past 25 Kansas State hadn't logged uh, a big win of this nature top five level in five seasons and for the fourth time this season, K-State was taken to overtime or took a game to overtime, depending on your perspective, and emerged victorious. So Jerome Tang has something special going there. And I'm going to play, uh, courtesy of Jeff Goodman, who is on on hand there. This should You should be able to hear this. I did not test this with Nada beforehand, but you should be able to hear it. Great. This is 40 seconds long, went a bit viral on, on Twitter late on Tuesday night. But I love this 
fans have flooded the floor. Jerome Tang has taken to the microphone. It's not like they just won a conference championship in their final home game of the regular season. First year, middle of January, he addresses the crowd. Here's what it sounded like. So good, man. So, so, so good. I'll get you one court storming. Is Jerome Tang trying to tell these kids they can't ever storm the floor again? Because good luck to all that. What are your thoughts on Tang's approach to all this? He spoke about it multiple times this week. And don't make it about Kansas. Don't make it about how much we hate them. Make it about how much we love this program. It is an interesting approach. You don't hear it often. He's a big, big, big man of faith. GP, uh, he spoke about his faith recently when he was even asked about any potential job openings at Texas and being a candidate. And he didn't outright say, like, I'm going to be here at Kansas State. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, how he guides me every single day. So he's wired a little bit differently there. And whatever, you know, the stuff he is made of, it's, it's immediately had an impact here. And we've mentioned this on the pod. But just to, be, to reiterate, especially after last night, 16-2 and two after being picked last in the Big 12, Jerome Tang, as we sit here on January 18, your national front runner for coach of the year. I love it. I love everything about it. Um, especially the part out of not worrying about hating something else as much as loving what we are. Um, I, I just, it's a fresh approach for college athletics. You know, we hear about these intense rivalries, Alabama, Auburn, Ohio state, Michigan, in my neck of the word, uh, woods, uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi state. And one of the things I found interesting in recent years is that, once Lane Kiffin became the head coach at Ole Miss football and Mike Leach, the late Mike Leach, was the head coach at Mississippi State, those two men were friends and they didn't badmouth each other. They didn't try to pretend that each other didn't exist. In fact, at one point, Lane Kiffin said, while his in-state rival was being coached by Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin is known as an offensive coach, obviously, he said, I think Mike Leach, I'm paraphrasing here, but some version of I think Mike Leach is the best offensive coach in college football. Can you imagine? Like, that's the Ole Miss football coach saying that about the Mississippi State football coach. And Lane's perspective on that was, we don't have to pretend the other school sucks or the other coach sucks or that anything like that um, to, to enjoy ourselves. Like, let's just believe in ourselves and acknowledge, like, hey, Mike Leach is great. Mississippi State's good, good. And, we'll, we, you know, and then we'll play them at the end of every regular season. We'll try to beat them, but we don't have to hate them. And to see that now – manifest in the state of Kansas, at least from Jerome Tang's perspective. Uh, I, I love it. Um, I don't know if a hundred percent of Kansas state fans are on board with it. Like they, they, they've hated Kansas their whole yeah. life and they want to continue to do it. But I, what Jerome said leading up to this game falls more in line with my life perspective than the alternative and so perhaps that's why i can appreciate it like hey we don't have to pretend kansas sucks or kansas is overrated or bill self is a clown we can we can acknowledge like can you use one of the great basketball programs in this country bill self is amazing 
and I, they, these are my words, not Jerome's. This is just what I took from it. You know, Kansas is great. Bill Self is great. Um, we're going to try to beat them every time we play them, but we're not trying to win a Kansas State championship here. We're trying to win Big 12 titles and go to Final Fours and win a national championship, and we don't have to hate Kansas to do that. So I, I, I love that perspective, even if I know um, if you put a poll up, 100% of Kansas State fans would not fall in line with it. As for the moment last night, beautiful. I mean, that is college basketball. As I've said a million times, if you just focus what happens between the lines, College basketball cannot compete with the NBA. Like the NBA is just, I mean, they're the best players in the world. They're shot makers, shot creators. Um, the the, the on-court product at the NBA, if you watch an NBA game and then watch a college basketball game, it, it looks like two different sports completely. But what the NBA can't match with college basketball is that scene last night. They can't match students. They don't have student sections. They don't have court stormings. They don't have... Greg Popovich standing on the scores table addressing the crowd after the game. The NBA can't replicate that. And I know that there's probably a Kansas fan somewhere saying, oh, my God, oh, congratulations on winning a game in January. It looked like you just won the national. T- Who cares? Like, enjoy it. Have fun when it's time to have fun. Uh, th- this program was uh, in a bad place in recent years. They hired someone who'd never been a head coach at the Division One level, picked dead last by everybody in the Big 12. And then when you wake up on January 18th, or more accurately, when you go to bed on January 17th, you were tied for first in the Big 12 standings and coming off of a win over the reigning national champions and your, your in-state rival. And coming off of a win that was created in electric, an alley-oop. Game winner? What? Marquise Noel to Keontae Johnson, and that was beautiful Um, and brilliant. I mean, Bill Self gets a lot of credit for out-of-bounds plays, you know, after timeout plays, as he should. He's like maybe the best, one of the best and and perhaps the best at it. And Jerome drawing that up, recognizing that Jalen Wilson was going to try to deny the entry pass to Keontae Johnson. And they moved everybody else away from the basket, so there's no weak side help. And when Jalen cheated just a little bit to try to deny that inbounds pan, that pass that he assumed was coming, Keontae spins on him. Throw Marquise Noel throws it up, alley oop for the game winner. Kansas doesn't get a shot off at the buzzer. I just thought the game was spectacular. The scene was amazing, and that that is the best of college basketball. What you saw last night inside Bramley is is the best of this sport that we talk about nonstop. Yeah, shouts to our buddy Rob Doster who took the trip down to the Octagon of Doom uh, and he had never been and I was talking to him earlier on Tuesday. I was like, man, I just hope you get a really good game and yeah, if you get a scene where Kansas State wins, like that's awesome. So I'm really thrilled for him that he was able to uh, see that up close and personal and experience that because that's one of those arenas that I've never been to. I'm guessing that you haven't, but maybe you were at CBS, you got there in 06. So you were there for the Beasley year. Maybe you got out there where you did you, that would have been the only th- year I figure you would have gone. Have you ever been to K-State? I've been to K-State. I, I don't know if it was the Michael Beasley year. I, for some reason, I remember Jacob Pullen. Those might overlap. Okay. I'm, I don't even, I just know um, Frank Martin was the coach uh, because I remember like t- talking to Frank, Kansas State won whoever they played. I don't remember. It was probably Kansas. Of course. And, and, and I just remember Frank saying, I told you, I told you this place is, is special. Like, it, cause it is an incredible scene. Like when it's, when the team is good and the place is packed, uh, that's, uh, you know, I don't know that it makes many lists of top five college basketball venues in the country, but if you're in it and it's great, it's great. 
Yeah, on speaking of Frank, last time Kansas State started 16 and 2 was the 2009-2010 season. Uh ironically, if you want to even call it ironic, they did lose to Kansas both those times that season actually three times and when they played them at home, they lost 81-79. They went at home last night 83-82. That team did have Jacob Pullen, Dennis Clemente, Jamar Samuels, Dominique Sutton. That was the K-State team that Frank Martin took all the way to the Elite Eight where it lost to Butler where Parrish uh, is propagating the lie that he had some sort of eye contact and conversation with Brad Stevens. We shared a moment. We shared a moment that night. Uh, So 2010 was the last time Kansas State started 16-2. That team wound up getting a two-seed uh, we'll see if this one can also get a two seed. Listen, it's five and one in the best league in America. And right now the big 12 standings read as follows. Kansas, Iowa state, K state atop at five and one. And then behind them, and we'll get to Texas and Iowa, uh, Texas, Iowa state in just a second here. Uh, Texas has two losses. TCU has two losses. And then can't, can't forget about Baylor. It was able to, to get a road win against Texas Tech, and it's uh, it's three and three there. I do want to mention real quick, Keontae Johnson. Yes, that oop was awesome. Uh, I don't remember the game. K-State fans, you're going to know it right off the top of your head if you're listening or watching, but there was another Noel to Keontae oop like two, three games ago. So yes. they've done this in multiple. There have been multiple times where they've been involved in a close game, and that connection has uh, has been emphatic to help uh, guide Kansas State to a win. You Noel know, actually didn't really even have that good of a game there. He had been hot as of late. He had he was averaging like twenty four and ten in Big Twelve play in their first four or five games. Cooled off a little bit there. Keontae Johnson though going for twenty four along with eight rebounds. He's been he's been tremendous in my court report that's going up on Wednesday. I actually have my my five players for player of the year. Um, and I, 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 the four were, were no brainers. It's, it's Zach Eady than everyone else. Right. And then I've got, I've got Timmy Brandon Miller of Alabama on there. Um, I've got, uh, who, else? um, Jalen Wilson, who had 38 and a loss, by the way, <laughs> like one of the best games and, of his life at 38 and, in this loss. And it would have been 41, except Bill called the timeout right before he hit the three. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, and he see self, it was obviously on self and he, no surprise. He admitted after like that. That's on me. And, it, you know, you just you you want that back. If you, I mean, the shot I mean, I, like, in, in fairness, it was like five feet behind the three point line. And like the play it was not like developing. And no, he, he like, was he was walking into it, but he, he was. was but he was walking into it a longer than NBA range three pointer. It felt like agreed. Agreed. So Jalen Wilson is is absolutely uh, one of the five. And then I wound up going for the moment and it's narrow. Trust me, it was fifty one forty nine. I actually put Jaime Hawk as uh, fifth on those. But I would have after what happened last night, I would actually have Keontae Johnson uh, as the as the, the player in the sixth spot for a national player of the year or the or the best second team All-American, however you want to frame that right now. He's averaging 18.7 points, 7.2 boards, 2.4 assists per game. And to help to help his program get a win like this. And anytime you can beat highly ranked Kansas, I did see on ESPN that Kansas state has now defeated Kansas when ranked number one or number two, six times. That's more losses uh, that Kansas had against K state than any other program there. Just, it's just, it's just incredible what, uh, what this program has been able to do. And I, I can't call this team a for sure final four contender, but we have quickly ascended to a plateau here where Kansas state has gone from cool story, nice record, interesting big 12 team to Jerome Tang has dudes and they can do real damage when we get to March, both in their own postseason tournament in the big 12 
potentially winning that to wherever this team winds up getting seated, no matter the matchup, there's something special going there. And while nothing is guaranteed, yes, you can conceivably see a way where a team that's built like this, if it, if it, if it gets the right kind of matchups with how it is improving on both ends of the floor, you know, it's not elite on offense, not elite on defense, but I, I could see them making a, a deep run. I can't call them a for sure Final Four contender yet, but man, they are quickly, quickly ascending to that place. I can. They are a legitimate Final Four contender. When you've won at Texas at Baylor and knocked off the reigning national champs, you're a, a legitimate Final and, and you don't have all these bad losses. They've got the one not Butler. great loss to Butler, but that's it. Everything else is fine. I know they got popped pretty good at TCU, but like a lot of people are going to get popped pretty good at TCU. That's the nature of the Big 12, which, by the way, I saw this last night um, on how difficult it is to win on the road in the Big 12. And if you want to believe in, and of course, you should still believe in Kansas. Like, it'd be crazy not to. It's Kansas and Bill Self. But if you want to, if you're a Kansas fan and you want to say, hey, like, like uh, it's a road loss in this league, not a big deal. Um, this from David Kay, of course, from from uh, uh, Baylor, uh, tweeted this late last night. Big 12 teams are two and 11 in the past 10 days in road games. <laughs> it doesn't matter the teams. Yeah. Yeah. The two wins, both by Baylor. Which is why David Kay tweeted it, of course. But still, the point remains the same. I don't care who you are. Kansas, Kansas State, TCU. Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, doesn't matter. It is very hard to win on the road in this league. Like in most other leagues, there are places you can go, and if you're good, you don't have to play well, and you can still win. I really don't think – I might be moving on Texas Tech a little bit, but I really don't think there's a place in the Big 12, regardless of who you are, you can go and feel comfortable you're going to win if you play poorly. Yeah. And in most leagues, there are at, there's at least a place or two where even if you play poorly, you're going to go win that game if you're good. It just It's not the case in the Big 12. It's not. And let's stick right there because Iowa State, I mentioned right at the top of the standings, is able to beat Texas. And another really, really good game. Those were staggered. It was, a, it was an hour later uh, of a tip than, than Kansas, Kansas State. And at the moment... I think only I don't have it in front of me, but I looked at it this morning because I'm going to put it in my power rankings on Thursday. Case the Iowa State's got five quad one wins. I think only Purdue and Kansas have more. I think that's it. There's a number of teams that have five. I think there are like seven teams overall, maybe eight that have five or more quad one wins. But Iowa State is building out a resume, man. This team has not been a three seater better since 2015, the last year when it was with Fred Hoiberg. TJ Otzelberger, through a year and a half, continued. I mean, last season they did well. In the non-conference, they got out to like 11 and 0 or something like that. And at, at 17 games through last season, Iowa State was 14 and 3. 17 games through this season, Iowa State is always also 14 and 3. But Iowa State got into the tournament because it played in the best league in America a season ago. It didn't lose in the non-conference heading into the start of the new year, and it, it basically built up enough where it got in as an 11. And then lo and behold, was able to scooch on through and make the Sweet 16. This team's different, man. It's it's even better. It's more reliable. It's more of a nuisance on defense. And it was a good defensive team a season ago. Just I, I feel like it's a, it's a bit better overall. And offensively, it's unquestionably better. And Gabe Kalsher probably doesn't get enough due for how much he does. But Caleb Grill is a killer. He is a dude. First of all, I assume you were in studio, so you saw the highlights. He hits the he hits the big three to put that basically is the clincher, and then he turns to the Texas Benson and signals timeout. Like <laughs> that's a boss. That's a baller move. That's a Gary Parish approved kind of move there. And he's so 
He's so unassuming, Caleb Grill. Like I talked to him at PK eighty five after he had a he had a humongous game earlier this season, and uh, it's I love these kind of players who, when they're on the floor, they're of one mentality, and then off the floor, it's like, are you the same guy I just saw out there, just absolutely destroying folks? I think it was what he did against Carolina. I think was the was the big game that he he had there, but. No shame in the loss for Texas whatsoever. To me, it's way more about uh, Iowa State and the fact that it's 5-1, and one, top of the league. Tang's the, the frontrunner for National Coach of the Year. I've also got a list of my my top 10 candidates for Coach of the Year at the midway point in today's court report. And Otzelberger's absolutely on that list, man. No doubt about it. They were not... Iowa State, I think, was pro- projected 7th. And again, eighth. a very good Big 12, right? Was it 8th? 8th. Okay. So projected, you get projected eighth going into a season in the Big 12. That says you're not making the NCAA tournament because historically, like eight can get there. But in the Big 12, it's six or seven, then it gets blurry. So not even thought to be a tournament team or for sure not more likely than not. And yet here they are absolutely streaking toward the NCAA tournament and bullying teams. Iowa State looks like hell to prepare for and agonizing to face. It'll take some more L's. I know that's going to come, but Otzelberger's done a wonderful job. And that was another, it was a really good night for the Big 12. Just, the competition, the game styles, different kind of stars showing up and a reminder of why this league is comfortably the best in the country. Yeah, if, if not for Kansas State, we would spend podcast after podcast going, you know, Iowa State was picked eighth in the Big 12 and now tied for first. But but it, like that doesn't sound as awesome as Kansas State was picked last in the Big 12 and yes. is now tied for first. But both stories are incredible. It's a first-year coach at KSU and a second-year coach at ISU. And it's especially impressive for TJ because... I guess if you want to, you can write off one year to luck, good fortune, whatever. But when you do this two years in a row, like when you dramatically overachieve two years in a row, that suggests there's some substance to what you're doing. And I, I'm with you. There's some substance at, at Iowa State. This isn't just a team picked eighth off to a nice start. You know, we're 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 in middle of January. There's no nice starts anymore. We're in league play. Like if you're good, you're good. And Iowa state is undeniably good updated top 25 and one. I've got Kansas state, six, Kansas, seven, Iowa state, eight. So those three teams of the big 12, uh, I've got them back to back to back tied atop the big 12 standings. And ultimately um, I do think that that race is probably going to come down to the last two weeks of the season, maybe even the last week of the season, not to put a poll up. So let me ask you right now, January 18th, who, who wins, who wins the big 12? You know what I have to do? We have to go. It, means- it has to be. Kansas. Now Baylor has won and finished the top of the league two times in the past three seasons or whatnot. I have to go Kansas until proven otherwise, because still, even in, even in defeat, Kansas could have won. No, Kansas could have won that game unquestionably with Jalen Wilson Ascending to like a top three player in the country. KJ Adams is is awesome. And you know, Dewan Harris is such a heady point guard. I, I until proven otherwise, I have to say Kansas. And I imagine you're gonna agree with me. Yeah, it's the only smart answer. And like I think Iowa State is legitimately good. I think Kansas State is a real final four contender because it's not just the resume, they got real players. Like Bill Self made this point. We made this point two weeks ago. And Bill Self made the point earlier this week, like they got real guys. Kante Johnson was the preseason SEC player of the year. Marquise Noel is one of the best, you know, little point guards in the country. Um, Desi still started for an elite eight team at Arkansas. Like these are real players. This isn't some scrappy bunch of guys that have really come together. I mean, that, that, that's true. They have come together, but there's real high level college basketball talent there. And, um, 
So, like, if you told me right now Kansas State's going to be in Houston with us, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I still believe uh, that all th- when it all shakes out, and keep in mind, Kansas State's got to return this game to Kansas. When this all shakes out, I think Kansas is at the very least sharing the Big 12 title and and possibly winning it outright. Let's move on. Clemson's time in the top 25 might be short-lived. That's because Brad Brunell's Tigers lost at Wake Forest on Tuesday night. We're going to turn our attention to the ACC next. Got an interesting question for Deadleg. First, though, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. So Clemson's time in the top 25 might be short-lived. That's because the Tigers entered the AP poll on Monday, thanks largely, if not entirely, to a 7-0 league mark in the ACC. Then on Tuesday night, Clemson lost at Wake Forest 87-77. They're down to 59th at Ken Palm. Resume just isn't that good. I dropped them out of the top 25-1 and one on Wednesday morning. What would you do with Clemson if you were stupid enough to rank 26 teams every morning? Uh... That's a good question. I I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'd have them out or not because uh, I don't do that every morning. I, I would uh, make Clemson. I would decide no matter what the result of a road matchup against Wake Forest on a Tuesday night to make Clemson the lead item of a weekly notebook column on a Wednesday morning. And that's exactly what has happened. Clemson is the lead item of uh, the court report, which we'll put uh, we'll put a link in in the episode description here if you want to. Read along as you listen along here. Uh, I did speak with Brad Brownell on Tuesday, and uh, we plenty of what we talked about is, is right there in the court report, uh, including him being on the hot seat and coaching in a hot seat year. I won't spoil any of that on the podcast. Just go read what he said about all that stuff. Uh, but I did talk to him about, listen, I've seen you guys play four or five times. Like I think you're a pretty solid team, but like defensively there are, it seems like you do have some issues, and he acknowledged that. But what's interesting about Clemson to me I didn't realize this, and Brownell, Brownell didn't tell me this either. I actually got it from from another one of the assistants. Uh, Brad Brownell's been a head coach for 21 seasons, and after losing at Loyola Chicago, which is the thing that is weighing this team's resume down, Loyola Chicago, yeah, it, it's associated with 
great March Madness performances in recent history and all that good stuff. It is having one of its worst seasons of the past 15 years. It is not a good team this season. It's down to 235 at Ken Palm. And Clemson got beat by Loyola Chicago by 18 points in Atlanta in early December. And after Clemson lost that game, Brownell decided that he was going to go to a bigger lineup because... He was seeing enough on the tape and then in performances and losses against South Carolina and Iowa that they were getting beat on the boards and they weren't going to be able to have an NCAA tournament team if this continued. So credit to Brad Brownell for the first time in 21 years. I don't know how many coaches would do this. And he did it to no fanfare, but and no one would notice. I didn't know it until it got told to me by someone who literally just knows Brownell and has coached with him for many, many years. Billy Donlin said, Brad, after that loss decided not to go with a three guard starting lineup in primary, like the primary attack would be three guards on the floor for the first time in his career. It's the middle of the, it's the middle of December and he's doing it. It's not like we're up against it at the start of February in a hot seat season. And like, we have no choice because of injury. Like they did have some, they had some injuries, which also are affecting their current status. They didn't have, by the way, in the road game against Wake Forest, Chase Hunter, who's been one of the best point guards in the ACC this season. He's got a small foot injury, Brownell doesn't think he's going to be out a while and he better not be because they need him. <laughs> like they're not a tournament team if Chase Hunter is not available there. So from an injury standpoint, if you're a Clemson fan listening, Chase Hunter, I would think could well be back for Saturday's game against Virginia Tech. And based on what Brownell told me, I would be shocked if he's not back for next Tuesday's game against Georgia Tech at the latest. And then they've got another guy, Alex Hemingway, another guard who has a plantar fascia issue. Brownell told me that he thinks he'll be back by the end of January. So Clemson's not all the way healthy yet, but for him to decide I'm just going to play with three bigs instead of three guards after uh, Parrish. He didn't do this for two decades at Clemson. uh, And even prior to that, when he was coaching at the mid-major level with Wright State and UNC Wilmington, I found it interesting. I found it fascinating. It's why Clemson right now is 15 and four instead of being say 12 and seven or 11 and eight. It's not a a surefire tournament team yet. Uh, I do think, I do think that Brown probably has to make the tournament to save his job. And that was really why I wanted to leave with Clemson in this week's court report, because uh, I appreciate any coach willing to talk on the record about an uncomfortable situation. And he was willing to do that. So again, please go read that uh, when you get a chance there, but is this a top 25 team to, to, to be long winded eventually into UGP? I, I would say no. Um, it's it's not now had it had it one wake at wake forest shorthanded i would say yeah obviously they that continues to be validated they would have been eight no but they're seven and one they're still atop the acc and the next four against virginia tech and georgia tech those are home games then at florida state at boston college clemson's legit those are four winnable games again none of those teams are projected tournament teams two home two on the road you go three and one in that stretch it means you'll still be at the top of the ACC standings no matter what anyone else does when we get to February 1 and you'll still have a valid NCAA tournament resume. Yeah, Kim Palm still projects Clemson as favorites in each of the next five games. So a nice run could be on tap. But as we sit here right now, poor computer numbers, um, two quadrant four losses, like literally no other team in the top 25 and one has two quadrant four losses. The only one that has one is TCU. So the resume was always questionable, which is what we talked about on Sunday's episode. And the computer numbers are bad. We talked about on Sunday's episode relative to top 25 and one uh, computer numbers. And when you go and then, you know, the, the only reason to rank Clemson Monday morning was they're seven and zero on the ACC seven game winning streak, but none of that's true anymore. So I, I'd move them just slightly outside of 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 the top 25 and one but you know Ken Palm does still project Clemson and Virginia 
to finish 15 and five in the ACC and share the league title. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a factor in this league race, or at least it appears they're going to be a factor in this league race uh, till, till the very end. On your point about Brad Brunel needing to make the NCAA tur- tournament to keep his job, um, I, I don't doubt that you're right. I, I just think that's silly. And not, not, not like, do you realize making the NCAA tournament or missing the NCAA tournament could be the difference between like one game? Of course you realize it. I know you do. Okay. Like, that seems crazy to me to determine somebody's future based on one game. Like, what if what if Clemson is the first team left out of the field? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Here, here's what every athletic director ought to do. You look at the guy, and whether he's been there a long time, you know who he is. You know what he's capable of. You, you, whether he makes the NCAA tournament or not, you go. Is this our coach or is this not our coach? Is this the guy we want running our program or not? To to, to draw some arbitrary line at. If a selection committee says you're in, then you get to keep your job with a contracts extension. But if they don't, then you're you're gone. That seems that seems like no way to run an athletic department. I to, know. Well, to why let a selection scope, committee why scope, why yeah. scope would be thirteen years, three and so no, I got it. I got it. I know. But I know. But smaller scope is we're playing this season, yeah. and we're going to let a selection committee. Like I, this is only if it's close. Like if it's clear they missed the tournament, like they because they just totally tank, and you say, "Hey, man, it's been a long time, and it ain't it ain't what we want it to be." Make the coaching change. I don't care. That that's the, that's the business. But if it's like Clemson's on the bubble, and Jerry Palm has him in, and Joe Lenardi has him out, let's see what the selection committee says. You're going to let a selection committee in Indianapolis determine who's your coach for the next five years or not? That's wild to me. Make the decision. He's either your guy or he's not your guy. And that that's a job for the Clemson administration. That's not something that should be determined by the selection committee. Rant over. On Inside College Basketball last night, Jim Hildebrand, who's one of our producers, hit me with a surprise question. I thought it was interesting because I, I I had to think about it. All right. I'm going to hit you with the same question. I'm, I, I'm quite interested. Let's go. Who's the best college basketball team in North Carolina? All right, so you got uh, Duke, UNC, Wake, NC State. Is anyone else at the mid-major level in the in the combo? GP? No, no, no. Okay, no. yeah, yeah. Um, hmm, that is a good one. Uh, best one in the state of North Carolina right now. Shouts to Steve Forbes. They won their 15th straight home game. Um, um man. Okay. Are we fully healthy? Teams are fully healthy. Who are just, we taking? Just right now. Just to- yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's. I will say, geez, it's ridiculous how hard this question. Is. I know. Like I had to, I usually, say- usually like a producer, whether it's uh, Amy or Jim or Harrison or whoever we're working with, they'll like come over. They'll say, "Hey, so in the C block, we got this." And I go, "They go, what would be your?" And I just spit something out because I've already thought about it. Usually, and this one, I was like, "Best team." Hmm. I like. I was like, "Oh," and then I came to my answer pretty quickly. I, I but, and I can back up my answer with some data. But it, it's a tough question to, to I, answer. I would take I would take North Carolina. That's I, I I have to take North Carolina right now. Who'd you take? NC State. Whoo! I took NC State. By the way, these teams play each other this weekend. this weekend. Right? Yeah. NC State is. Let me just run you through it real quick. I have NC State 18th in the top 25 and one. They're unranked in the AP poll. I don't know why. 
I don't. Uh, I went on this uh, same deal about Florida Atlantic last week. Like, why is Florida Atlantic not ranked? Like, if you're going to rank Charleston, you should be ranking Florida Atlantic. And then on Monday, Florida Atlantic gets ranked in the AP poll for the first time, I believe, in school history. Ever. Yes. Ever. Yeah. So shouts to Dusty May. So I made that happen. I'm just kidding. No, Florida Atlantic made that happen. <laughs> Florida Atlantic made that happen. Oh, boy. But um, NC State is just as baffling to me. NC State is six and four in the first two quadrants with zero additional losses. So nothing in quadrant three, nothing in quadrant four. Three of the four losses are in quadrant one. They got wins over Duke, Miami, Dayton, Virginia Tech. Six and one in their past seven. That's that's a that's a top 25 resume. Again, I've got them 18th in the top 25 and one. I got Duke 25th. UNC and Wake Forest. Yeah, okay. Hold on. Are, you, all right. I'm just asking. Yep. Just to be clear. Mm-hmm. NC State versus North Carolina on a, a blacktop court in the middle of not a give me a random town in North Carolina. So, so throw one out. Random. In the middle Goldsboro. of nowhere. Where? Goldsboro. Earl, okay. On a yeah. blacktop in Goldsboro yeah. tomorrow night, neutral court. And you are betting a month's salary. You are taking NC State to beat UNC in that situation because that's what you're saying. If NC State's better, it's winning that game. Does this include my new Grind City deal? It does. It includes Ugh. new Grind City deal, a month's salary. Ugh. Goldsboro, go, NC State, Tar Heels, Wolfpack, and Goldsboro tomorrow. Month's salary. You're going with NC State. I just want to be clear because that's what you're saying. I'm taking Turquavian. Okay. I'm riding with Turquavian. All right. Listen, uh, Wake is four and four in the first two. I'm going to run you through this. Wake is four and four in the first two quadrants with an additional loss in quadrant three. It's an LSU loss. Duke is four and five in the first two quadrants, zero additional losses. UNC four and six in the first two quadrants, zero additional losses. NC State is the only school in North Carolina above 500 in the first two quadrants. That's fact, Jack. Goldsboro. Wolf pack. Wolf. Give me an NC State cheer, Nana. What is the NC State cheer? I don't know, but do you, you don't you know. Nuts? How do you not know? How do you because not know? I don't like Brinson. hanging out with Brinson farmers of North Carolina State. I don't like them. Not many. Like, I, I, I have two I live, friends, I, and they both live in radio. I live in Mississippi. I know at Ole Miss it's hotty toddy, and at Mississippi State you ring cowbells. How do you not know what the NC State? I think thing this, is, is. this is it. This is it. Wolf. I'm a wolf. Look, I'm a wolf. Look at me. Oh, no. Don't, no stop. Stop. GP, stop. Stop. Stop now. Raleigh is my home. Raleigh is my home. <laughs> so it's so said. So let it be. Uh, all right. NC State. Oh, my goodness. Well, they play each other this weekend. That's and, the problem. Uh, it's going to be at North Carolina, and they're going to, North Carolina's going to beat them by. 35. I, I know how this works. Feels like a final four and one game to me. So <laughs> I know that I know how this works. <laughs> By the Every- way, they're celebrating the 93 team that week, and Roy's going to be in the building. Oh, right. of course, of course. North Carolina. Well, Roy's gonna be in a building. Well, Roy's in the building. <laughs> Roy, Roy lives in that building. Roy's in the building right now. <laughs> he's, in, he's there right now. He just he's just like sitting on the court. Yeah. Watch, watching Judge Judy. <laughs> just, he's got he's got Judge Judy on the jumbotron. <laughs> he's just sitting yeah. on the court. I know how this works. Every time I get behind somebody, 
it goes the wrong way. It does. From a basketball perspective. It's over for NC State. It's over for NC State. This is as good as it ever gets. This is as good as it ever gets for NC State. So enjoy it. But I did think it was an interesting question. Like, who's the best team in North Carolina? It's not clear. And I could argue it's NC State. And given that that is not an argument literally anybody would have made in October, it's just sort of an interesting development. Elsewhere over the past two nights, Purdue won at Michigan State. Game-winning bucket from Zach Eady. Houston had uh, no problems at Tulane, one by 20. Cougars are now 18-1. and one. Baylor uh, dropped Texas Tech to 0-6 in the Big 12. We've discussed uh, that or at least touched on it. Kentucky pulled away late from Georgia. Got a monster performance mm-hmm. from Oscar Shibway. 37 points, 24 rebounds. Any thoughts on any of that stuff or anything else from the past two nights? Uh, just two. Yeah, I'll, let me hit on Purdue and then Kentucky real quick. So... I understand why we can't have more daytime tips in college basketball because, you know, there's like class and stuff. I get that. Uh, but on Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday, to have that Purdue-Michigan State game tip at 2.30 Eastern was tremendous. Just to, some great daytime ball, really competitive game. Michigan State doesn't have Malik Hall. He's got, uh, he's got what, an ankle injury that's going to keep him out for, for a few weeks here. Um, and so without him, it's, it's, it's asking a lot. Tyson Walker was awesome. Hit what was thought to maybe potentially be the game winner. On a certain level, it was hilarious to see Breslin pop and go nuts in a very good back and forth game. And then <laughs> it's like Painter's got the answers to the test, man. It's just they 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 throw it to Edie, and it's and it's like. Uh, just he's dunking on a seven foot rim and they didn't have a chance. Like they didn't stand a chance. So it was just like, Oh, Oh, cool. Cool. Little uh, mid range fallback. You got there to take the lead, but uh, too bad. Here we go. And dunking on your head. (laughs) Too bad. We've got the seven foot four uh, leading candidate for national player of the year who, if he catches the ball that deep is (laughs) you're in trouble. That just in trouble. Like you can't and you I, can't let him catch the ball. Like that. That's I know the, that's the problem. Now, as I said, I pick my poison, and if I had to do it, I pick the same poison again. Ezo knows more than us, and we'll know he's forgotten more than we could ever imagine to to know about in college hoops. So, sounds good, Tom. But uh, that was you know <laughs> an unfortunate turn. Purdue is seventeen and one, and again, clearly atop the the Big Ten. There, Edie maintains his National Player of the Year standing. Uh, last year's National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibway, finally woke up and had his best game of the season. You know, the preseason pick, understandably, for National Player of the Year, although not mine. I do remember GP giving me some grief over that. How's that working out right now? GP? Just because things go a certain direction doesn't mm. mean that they were um, right or wrong at the time that you, you talk about things in real time. Just mm. because, uh, like, 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 watch this. Um, who's playing tonight? Let me see. Arkansas, uh, Missouri. Okay, but that's not good. That's not exactly what I'm looking at. Okay, uh, Xavier is at DePaul tonight. Xavier should win that game. If, if DePaul wins the game, it doesn't mean that I was crazy to say Xavier should win the game. It just means that sometimes, you know, things don't go the way they're supposed to no, go. You're not wrong to pick Oscar Sheboy National Player of the Year. My my thinking was uh, it hasn't been done in decades upon decades, and it is unlikely that it'll happen again. So I, I played the odds, and lo and behold, here we are. Now, that being said, Sheboy was outrageously good. 37-24. and 24. Shouts to Sendarius Thornwell. The last 30-20 game. In college basketball happened back in 20, 2017, the year that uh, the Gamecocks made a, a run to the Final Four under hey, a lot of Frank Martin content on this on this podcast here on Wednesday. So good on Kentucky, not just to win, but to come. It was down at the half, list, not listless in the first half, but a bit out of sorts there. 
That lineup again showed up. And Livingston also played well as well. But the top in Frederick, Wallace, Shibway, Reeves lineup played well again. And then and then Shibway just looked like a man possessed. And if he is able to sustain that on the second half of the season, then the calculus for Kentucky will change in a significant way. Mike White's done a good job at Georgia. And had Georgia been able to pull off a road win against Kentucky, we'd really be cooking with something there. But it's, it's tough to go into Rupp against Kentucky with with that roster, no matter if they've been slumping or playing well or whatever. And Kentucky woke up and played well. So credit to credit to the Wildcats. We were harping on them, understandably so, when they were slumping. And now they have responded by going in and getting a convincing win at Tennessee and then responding in the second half, making adjustments and just overpowering Georgia to the tune of a 14-point win. Those are positive signals heading into what should be a solid game, but I would expect Kentucky to win this weekend at home against Texas A&M. And Severe Wheeler now, he's just got to come off the bench, right? I mean, Kaysen Wallace is the starting point guard for this team. Like, there's no way around it. Uh, Wheeler uh, came off the bench on Tuesday night against Georgia after missing the game at Tennessee and only played 11 minutes. It looks like he's going to go from a starting point guard playing a lot of minutes to a reserve uh, playing limited minutes. And I give John credit for that. I know that Injuries forced him into it, uh, but you know you don't have to be stubborn about it. The data is the data. I don't think it's a coincidence that Kentucky played its best game of the year um, when the ball was put in Casey Wallace's hands over the weekend, and to back it with um, another double-digit victory. It was close for a while for most of the game, but when K- Kentucky had to turn it on, uh, Kentucky turned it on, and that was. Uh, you know, that's the, if you're a Wildcats fan, that's what you want to see. Like I said on Inside College Basketball Tuesday night, I don't know that Kentucky will ever be as great as the people who thought Kentucky would be great assumed, but they're, they can be good, and they're clearly better than they have been. And this new lineup with the ball in Case and Wallace's hands um, seems to, to be the, the biggest factor in that. Before we look ahead to the next couple of nights of games, I, I should provide an update on the now former Alabama basketball player, Darius Miles, who was involved in a, a deadly shooting this past weekend. He's been charged with, with capital murder and court records released Tuesday show that investigators do not believe that Darius Miles pulled the trigger, but those court documents state that he has admitted to providing the alleged killer, 20 year old named Michael Lynn Davis with the gun used in the shooting that took the life of a 23 year old woman named Jamia Harris. At this point, I, I don't have anything to add because there are still more questions than answers with this case. And I don't want to share any big opinions until we have more facts, but Norlander did promise when he added a top in post-production to Sunday night's uh, podcast that we'd update you on the story when more details were available. So consider this your update. Needless to say, uh, our, our thoughts remain with Jamia Harris's family and friends. Broadly speaking, uh, I am comfortable saying we have too many young people dying of, of gun violence in this country. Maybe one day uh, we'll figure out how to get that issue under control. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, either way, uh, nothing's ever going to give this young woman, this young mother, her life back which is obviously sad and senselessly tragic. Uh, again, uh, thoughts are with Jamia Harris's loved ones, including her, her five-year-old son, who's now going to have to grow up without his mother. And when more information is available on that, we'll, we'll bring it to you. In the meantime, you can continue to check cbssports.com uh, for updates, period, new paragraph. Norlander, before we get out of here, 
let's look ahead to the next couple of nights. On Wednesday night, we got UConn at Seton Hall, Virginia Tech at Virginia, TCU at West Virginia, Auburn at LSU, Xavier at DePaul, Providence at Marquette, Arkansas at Missouri. And then on Thursday night, a lighter schedule, but still some good ones. Rutgers at Michigan State, USC at Arizona, UCLA at Arizona State. What from that or anything else over the next two nights uh, are you looking forward to? Well, first of all, we've got we've got news connected to tonight. It happened right as we yes. were going live. Okay, so um, uh, again, let me get this ready here. Here we go. This is me. That one's on me. I was wrong. Okay, so we have now had multiple games uh, lost to COVID. So the preseason, I, I took the under of 0.5 for the second consecutive season. And that one's on me. You have, to al- you have to always bet on COVID. Unfortunately, Co- you are correct. Because COVID's, COVID's been on a hot streak past couple North, of years. Northwestern is on a COVID pause right now. Yes, there is a team on a COVID pause. Now, the reason why it's on a pause is because it is a combination, as I understand it, Northwestern is a combination of injuries and then COVID. They do not have the minimum number of players, which I think is seven, to be able to field the team. So Northwestern's game against Iowa got postponed. And it has not been officially announced as we are recording this podcast, but the expectation is that Northwestern and Wisconsin will not play their game as scheduled on Saturday. I think they're going to try and see if they can, if, if the calendar and the clock will work to get that game done on Sunday, they're going to try because we're getting into a weird situation here where Northwestern's 12 and five. Iowa's what? 12 and six Wisconsin's 12 and five. These are all teams that either project as tournament teams or, or they're absolutely in the mix here. And those games will matter. This is not two seasons ago. This isn't the COVID season where some teams finish with 23 games, some teams finish with 28 games, and we just made the best of it. Like most everyone is playing these games. I bring up the Northwestern thing because one of the games that's happening tonight will not have the head coach or the, t- the top assistant on the sideline. Dan Hurley and Kamani Young are both out for UConn. They did not travel to Seton Hall. Here's the release. UConn men's basketball head coach Dan Hurley and associate head coach Kamani Young have each tested positive for the COVID virus and will not coach Wednesday night's game against Seton Hall at the Prudential Center. So Tom Moore and, and Luke Murray apparently are both co-head coaches for this. Um, we'll see. I actually texted with Kamani Young at the start of the podcast. He said it's, it's a little rough, but he's doing okay and hopefully he'll feel better soon. I actually happen to know a few people who have caught COVID in the past few weeks and it's actually really sidelined them. Like they've had a couple of really, like really brutal bouts of it with a couple of days. So uh, I understand that as a society, we are thankfully like we are really pushing through this and the worst of the pandemic uh, almost certainly has to be behind us. Although as Paris says, always, always bet on COVID, but uh, I just happen to know a couple of people that have been really sick. So when you see people that are out with COVID, like they could be, you know, you know, no, no one wants to be sick. So that's, that's part of it. There. That's the news with tonight's, with nice game with, uh, with UConn and Seton Hall and UConn, you know, doesn't have its head coach, man. Teams lost four or five Seton Hall. It's got plenty of desperation to it. Like it doesn't project as a tournament team, but it's four and four in the league right now. You know what UConn is in the league? Four and four. So it's actually kind of a, kind of a big game right there. That's a six thirty tip on Fox sports one. Um, Elsewhere tonight, quick thoughts, Providence Marquette, 9 o'clock CBS Sports Network. GP is in studio. Catch him uh, early in the evening. We got got 30-minute pregame and then a doubleheader and then a 30-minute postgame. So uh, it'll be a fun night. A lot of good stuff with GP there. And Providence Marquette is a tremendous game. That that is, And I want to say that these two teams played on CBS Sports Network a year ago, and that was the – wasn't Providence Marquette the overtime game at Providence? Maybe I'm maybe yes. I'm yes. it was, right? Yeah. Yes. In December, I believe. Yeah, that was that was a good stuff. So uh, that's a really, really tasty big east affair. Arkansas at Missouri. 
And you got two teams that are just slipping and sliding. Mizzou's lost three of four. It's at home. As mentioned in the previous pod, Arkansas hasn't won a road game yet. It's lost four or five. So there's a lot of urgency to that game right there. Nine o'clock SEC network. Um, I'm intrigued by that. And then we did have some, we had some, some chatter in the chat when we were talking big 12 race and people like you're not giving TCU quite enough credit here. Well, let's see. TCU's got to play at West Virginia and West Virginia is not that good relative to the big 12 standings. It's still like top 30 in predictive metrics, but it's at, at West Virginia, then it's at Kansas. TCU goes 2-0 there, then yeah, absolutely. They deserve to be in the poll and in the discussion to win the league, but that's another one to uh, to keep an eye on. It is actually a pretty solid, pretty solid, not an outstanding, but a pretty solid uh, Wednesday night overall. I do expect Xavier, like you, to uh, to beat DePaul. And then on Thursday, UCLA to Arizona State is a late tip, 1030 on Fox Sports 1. Uh, I would request that if Arizona State wins GP, we uh, if if they don't get the lead block, maybe block two there because they're fifteen and three, and they're off to their best start in league play. How about this? Arizona State hasn't been this, and they're just they're six and one, so it's good, but it's not like they're twelve and one. But they haven't been six and one through seven games in conference play since the eighties. <laughs> so similar to Clemson, they are uh, they are doing well on that level. If they can beat Mick Cronin and the Bruins late on Thursday night. Uh, they will have an NCAA tournament resume, of course. They've, they've got one right now, but they'll really up that, and they, uh, they'll be deserving of some shine. And then we'll see how Michigan you State... Don't, you, don't, you don't have to twist my arm to talk about the Sun Devils. That's also a good point. That's all yeah. I want to do. That's, why, didn't I, uh, why didn't I not think about that before? Where is it? I see, I've loaded a few things on here. So uh, here, here, we go, here we go. I'm a Sun Devil. That's all I want to talk about. Sun Devil. That's all I want to talk about. So Sun Devils, yeah, let's uh, maybe key in on them. And then um, Rutgers at Michigan State. Rutgers. Rutgers, baby. We'll see if Michigan State can hold serve on its home floor, 6.30 Thursday night. Indiana at Illinois. Michigan at Maryland. That's a desperate game for both those teams, right? So USC plays at Arizona. I don't know. That's that's although you won't see it. it's on Pac-12 Network, but that one that one's going down as well. So we've got to, next two nights are, are are pretty good here. There's a there's a if you really look across at GP's top 25 and one, and even the teams that aren't in there, you kind of look at the predictive metrics in the top 30, 35 teams. There's a, there's a lot of teams right now that are still kind of cruising with either one loss, two loss, three losses, four losses. Good teams like Rutgers, five losses. So I bring that up to say like there's we're kind of being gifted with two, three or four games nightly with teams that, uh, that are worthwhile because they've been pretty good. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued and can't wait for the next couple of nights. We ready to get on with our day. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're, I think we're ready. Yeah. I got to get in these Twitter mentions, see what people think about the updated top 25 and one. Has it posted? Yes. Folks aren't. Let me read. Let me read. Hold on. Hold on. You you posted it. You did you tweet about it? I tweeted it, baby. Hold on. Before we get out of here, let me just uh, let's see what we got here. Um, I'm gonna randomly pick. Let me. I'm gonna randomly pick three. Um, you really drop. Uh, this is from Orange Whip. You really drop Kansas four spots after losing on the road in an environment like that, and it was basically a coin flip at the end. A little harsh, but whatever. Uh, Jayhawk talk who I believe actually was direct messaging me recently because uh, the person behind this account played some Guster at a, at a, at a guitar gig uh, at a local establishment there. So I'm on Jayhawk Talk's side. He, uh, he has sent along uh, a gif of someone just saying, yep, it's a troll. <laughs> so that's you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you dropped Kansas. Because you dropped Kansas. Yes, because I, I woke up to that. This is why, this is why like, I, I mean this sincerely and, and from the best place of my heart. I appreciate everybody who clicks on that link 
and everybody who tweets and pays attention, like, you know, without an audience, we don't have jobs. Like if there's nobody to consume this stuff, um, there's no reason for anybody to pay us to do it. So I appreciate everybody. But there is nothing there is nothing I care less about than what. Something like Jayhawk talk or fans that have a mascot or school in their name. There is nothing I care less about than what they think about rankings. Because let me be clear. You could make an argument that Kansas should be higher still. I'm not disputing that. Mm-hmm. If, if Jayhawk talk or anybody else said Kansas really down to number seven, surely they should be higher than that. Like, yeah, maybe you guys, that's a fair point. We could talk about that. But the idea that I just woke up and wanted to troll Kansas fans, like that doesn't make any sense. That's just stupid. I, was, and so, I, was, as I, have, I have no patience for the stupidity. Fair enough. I was hoping for some varied uh, disagreements and gripes here. It's all Kansas fans. They're not right. happy. So they basically, it's just nothing. Hey, like hey, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Let me, here's an idea. I'll just throw it out there. Maybe beat the team that was picked last in the Big 12. Oh, God. Maybe. Now, that, now that's trolling. Yeah, that is. That actually is. Maybe go, I don't know. Before you complain about rankings, maybe try beating the team that was picked last in the Big Twelve with a first-year head coach and a best player who mm. hadn't played basketball in two years. Maybe, maybe win. Maybe beat that team. How, how about this? I got I make a promise. I promise to keep you in the top six of the top twenty-five and one if you can beat the team that was picked last in the Big Twelve with a first-year head coach and a best player who hadn't played basketball in two years. Just two. If you could do that. If you could do that, everything would be fine. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to TJ Gasnola. Thank you all for listening once okay. again to the <laughs> on College Basketball. That's trolling. See, that's trolling. That's what that is. Oh man, I love when I love when you catch me off guard like that. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over at Apple, leave a nice review. Five stars. Type some words and more of us than there are of them. Needs to be reflected in the comments. Smash the like button before you're out of here. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. We're going to talk to you again on Friday, perhaps about the Sun Devils. Till then, take care. I'm a Sun Devil. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.